I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, I'm a, a real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Happy New Year, you filthy animals. So now that it's 2019, it's time to go big. It's going to be a great year for all of us. Mark my words, fools. We are so excited to be back. I know it's only been a week off, but I, I personally really missed it. And it is a brand new year, so we've got some great New Year's resolution ideas for you. Some fun memories and traditions around New Year's, of course. Movie reviews, Mortal Engines, Bumblebee, and Aquaman. And, of course, some not-so-shallow thoughts to kick off the new year. Let's rock it. All right. I only have one question. Who's with me? El Capitan de la Influencia. We're with you, babes. That's what I was... Never mind. Oh. Oh, okay. that was... I, I, I dropped that ball. I didn't even know what I... I, I don't... Just forget it. I... For well, some because you know, well, you know no, I didn't drop anything. No, I didn't you, drop anything. It's it's we'll save you, babes. Not uh, exactly, you, babes. exactly. It's supposed to be we're will we're was it we're with you, Mister the Kid. I was mixing yeah, we're it. Mi- yeah, yep. You know, like and I say uh, indeed, and then we move on to something else, and it, I, I just like to mix things up. So instead of we'll save you, babes, yeah. it's we're with you, babes. <sighs> All right, twenty points <laughs> for anyone who can name the movie that we're talking about. 20 right. points towards. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, here you go. I'm going to give away. You know, it was so funny. When I was doing radio in college, one of the prizes I gave away was the paper plate that I had eat, eaten my breakfast off of. It was a breakfast burrito. And I said, wow, I have nothing to give away. I, I was looking through the prize pack and there was nothing. We had a little drawer of prizes. Couldn't give away anything. So we're all excited. We're going to give away this prize. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I have a paper plate that I ate my burrito off of. Somebody wanted it. And I signed it and I gave it away. It was They were very happy. They wanted it? Yeah. Are you sure? Hey, they came in like squealing. The guy was so excited. So apparently that's, you know, if you're famous, you can give away anything. And it's awesome. Huh. Well, happy- yeah, I guess if you're if you're actually famous, you probably can. Yeah, that's it's what it is. <laughs> Happy New Year, Captain Influence. Happy New Year, Real Brian. Glad to be here, man. It's a great year. Glad to have you here, too. Oh, I'm, it's going to be a great year. And yes, I'm very glad to be here, as usual. Yeah. Well, it's, you're right. It's it's a great year. It's four days in. It's a phenomenal year so far. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about New Year's and, you know, resolutions and all the stuff you hear and stuff. You know, stuff. The stuff, right? The stuff. With the, the, the stuff with dude. the New Year's and the resolution. Anyway. I have to ask you about New Year's resolutions in a minute, but one thing that I just, I love to do this time of year is not necessarily, not necessarily a resolution as much as it is more of an, a declaration. That's what I'm looking for. I'm declaring that this year is going to be great. It needs to be for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're all going to have little troubles here and there, but we just need to make this a great year. Hey, like I say, man, attitude is at least half the equation. So uh, no matter what's going on around you, as long as you have, and it's so easy for me to say this because I'm, I live a pretty comfortable life, but no matter what's going on around you, even if you don't live the most comfortable life, if you have a good attitude and you try to see the silver lining in everything, 
unless you live in a slave pit or something that awful, there's got to be some brightness in your life. And, and it's just grab onto that, hold onto it. Don't ever let go of it. and Don't ever look away from it. You're going to be fine. I like that attitude. It's very true. I think truly in most situations, attitude dictates how well or how poorly our year goes or our day or anything for that matter. Sure. Absolutely. I was editing and producing an episode. And one of the things they were talking about was, I believe it was a Lao Tzu quote. If you focus on the past, you have depression. If you focus on the future, you have anxiety. If you have peace, it's because you're focused on the present moment. Okay, that's fair. That's paraphrased, but it's essentially what he said. And it's amazing, too, because if I look back at any time that I was depressed or even just have, let's just even say as simple as discouragement, because I don't think discouragement and depression are the same thing. But, you know, they can go towards that, right? Yeah. If I'm doing that, it's because I am focusing on the past. I'm looking back a little too much. It's okay to look back and have fond memories or to learn from the past. But when you start to feel discouraged or depressed, it's because you're either comparing yourself, period, or you're looking too far into the past, too much into the past. And then it's like when I have anxiety, it's like I'm worried about something that's not in the present moment. It's amazing. Right. Even if it's simple. Yeah. And, and some, you know, if you look in the past and you lived a really good life and, and, or that you, excuse me, let me rephrase that. You had a really good life and a lot of good things have happened to you. Then you might look back and, have happy thoughts about that, but then also you might also think, I wish it was the same now, you know, the good old days syndrome. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little mixed bag when it comes to looking at the past. Although I tend to, I, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm big into history, you know, world history in general. I like to look backwards a lot. When you look back into the past, you love history, that kind of thing. Does it create any level of discouragement? Oh, absolutely. Being so interested in history is why, I am kind of a pessimist, if you will, especially with regards mm. to humanity. If you really study history, it's it's difficult to impossible not to be discouraged about where we're headed as a species because of the trends, you know, trends and whatnot. So that's why it's even more important to live in the moment and enjoy your life and and see all the good things that are in it rather than look to the past all the time or you know focus on the wrong things in the future. I don't know. Sure. Does that make any oh, sense? Absolutely. I, I, it's such a deep subject that you could go really even way deeper than that into that it's hard to, like I said, articulate what I'm thinking. But I think you're saying maybe this should all this should all be in the deep thoughts section, really. <laughs> I think you're saying it well, actually. And I think there's a to me, you know, I, and I'm not a history buff. I don't study history purposefully. However, you know, I know enough about history to know that I see what you're saying about oh, as, as, where are we headed as a species. But at the same time, it's like and when I look back, it's the same thing. We just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over for thousands of years. Like I don't see a lot of differences in, you know, you look at today's society and then you look back, well, you know, go, go back 20 years, go back 40 years, go back a hundred years, go back 500 years. It's the same thing. We're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And then we have our little golden ages and then we do the same thing again. And it's just like, you know, we're, we're constantly repeating. And I don't think necessarily that we'll ever overcome that just because we're, (laughs) I mean, you know, we're human. I think there's a select few that try to overcome it, try to inspire people, try to do the right thing. And I think those are the people that inspire us to continue to move forward. But, you know, the the reality is, is we're all doing the same thing we've been doing forever. Society has objectively improved uh, in general over the last, uh, especially over the last hundred years. Whereas before that, it hadn't really too much. 
I mean, tribalism was such a is such a huge part of our genetic makeup and and our instinctive action to you know group up uh, into little groups or bigger groups and to be opposed to other groups around us that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's improved a lot, especially in the 20th century, to the point where I think if if society were anything like it used to be in previous centuries and going all the way back, uh, with the level of technology that we have now, we'd probably all be dead by now. <laughs> so. I really think society has improved. I don't know whether it's improved enough to make much of a difference in the coming decades and centuries. So, well, it's such an interesting thing, though. I love thinking about, I love pondering what will the world be like a million years from now? Yeah. Or See, even a thousand years from now? Yeah. Because it will be here. <laughs> there will be things and people here. We have just no idea how. So, yeah. It's funny you think it's improved because I... I, I wonder like how much it's really improved or how much it's just changed. I mean, it's obviously changes huge technology, you know, our knowledge lifespans vary over the years, you know, they increase, they decline, you know, everything just kind of seems to ebb and flow. I don't know though. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, as, as it really improved, I mean, it's funny you bring up the whole tribalism aspect about how it's us versus them. And I still, to this day, believe that we have to have that. One way or the other, we have to have an us versus them somehow, somewhere, not necessarily to the point of going to war and slaughtering each other. Of course, I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about we have to have, you know, the opponents. That's why we have sports. So it's like back in the day, you know, we we killed each other and now we're just have sports teams that, quote, kill each other on the court or on the field or whatever, you know. Right. (laughs) So it's sports are sports are a great outlet for that instinct of tribalism that we have, but we can't escape as a as a human being yeah but no so you're you're 100 correct i just wish that could i wish sports could translate you know into nation states you know into national leaders the bigger picture which it just doesn't it comes down to communication and most of us are terrible at it i mean that's really what it comes down if we learned how to communicate a little better and we learned to listen a little better for that matter i think so many things could be avoided and understood but the reality is is you've got pride You've got lack of communication and you've got the, you know, I don't want to listen. That's really what it comes down to. And in fact, you know, I've talked about this even in friendships that I've had over the years and, you know, friends that are no longer a part of our lives and that kind of thing. You know, I look back and I would have to say that most of those situations were due to pride, not because they moved away and we grew apart. It wasn't that it was there was a pride issue. Something was said. There was no desire to reconcile. Which to me is, that's why wars are started. I mean, that's why people disagree and hate each other. That's why there's road rage. And well, that's a little different, I guess. But you know, pride, unfortunately, it's a very difficult thing to overcome. Another thing it comes down to is our our gross tendency to generalize groups of people. Oh, yeah. That's that's at least as big as pride when it comes to starting conflicts and and maintaining conflicts. But how did we get on this subject? This is a positive show. No, no, no. This isn't this isn't a negative (laughs) discussion, by the way. Like I'm not actually being pessimistic. I'm just more fascinated into it and just going, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, no, I I love talking about this stuff, but I I just don't I don't want to get too negative on on the real Brian show. No, don't worry. And and to me, this my my intention of this is super positive and just more fascination and curiosity and I think, okay, okay, you want a takeaway? Here you go. Here's the takeaway. Listen, learn to communicate better, and get over your pride. Take those three things away from this show, if nothing else, and I guarantee your life will be better. <laughs> just guarantee it. Oh, and, and I'd like to throw in there, see the forest for the trees. Don't just look at the clearing that you live in. Don't, live, true, don't, true. don't hide under the tent with the flashlight and 
be scared of the scary shadows and sounds outside of your tent. Yeah. Open the tent, look out, understand that you're in a clearing, not the whole, and that that clearing's in a forest. You know, this is all metaphorical, obviously. Sure, sure. Take yourself out of yourself up above the trees and look down and see the entire forest and how beautiful it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which just, goes back to our desire to nerd out on this show. And I, you know, yeah. everybody on this show knows what nerding out means. But when I tell somebody, you know, hey, we nerd out, they say, what does that mean? I'm like, it's curiosity. It's essentially curiosity. Without curiosity, I mean, what's the yeah. point, really? I mean, we got to be curious, of course, within reason. But exactly what you're saying there, curiosity leads to understanding and wisdom, I think. Knowledge, too, but yeah. knowledge without wisdom is useless. You're right, especially if you maintain a constant curiosity about a lot of different things. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I know. I love how people always say knowledge is power. Totally disagree. <laughs> knowledge should be knowledge no, with wisdom. Is, knowledge with wisdom is power. Yes, it, knowledge it depends, without it wisdom on is how you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, knowledge to argue to debate the 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 age old axiom knowledge is power. That would be a good one for another episode. Yeah, you know, I had a, a friend. I was actually a pastor as well, but he told me that, you know, my, what do you call it? Perception kind of ability, you know, when I'm around people, I can really sense people really well. I can usually pick up on their emotions and sometimes I can even pick up on deeper things. And he said, you know, that level of perception is a gift. He said, however, that gift without essentially wisdom, he goes, imagine swinging a double-edged sword, super sharp. He goes, that, that gift, that perception gift with wisdom you know how to wield that sword with accuracy and precision without the wisdom you're just swinging the sword and cutting everyone and that gets anywhere near you and pretty much destroying everything in your path and interesting what a really cool metaphor but that same thing i see with with knowledge you know knowledge without wisdom is you're just swinging a sword around and and hurting people and doing things because you don't know what to do with the knowledge you have so yeah that makes sense anyway um there was another thing but i'll bring up another time but let's talk about New Year's resolutions because yeah, how did because we were totally about to talk about New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I went into something else, and it was really fun. Hey, you know that's what I love about oh, the show. We get into we a good that's conversation. Yeah, that's right. So, oh wait, before we go into the New Year's resolutions, well, let me say one thing. I want to do a correction on the Christmas episode we did two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the you know Christmas facts and fun trivia and stuff. For whatever reason. I accidentally said Paul McCartney did Happy Christmas, War is Over, Happy Xmas. I don't know why oh, yeah. I said Paul McCartney because it was totally John Lennon. And yeah, that's who did it. So anyway, oh, okay. sorry about that. I didn't even realize it until I was listening to the episode later. And I'm like, why did I say Paul McCartney? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> by the way, John Lennon. By the way, I, I have a beef with you about that Christmas episode. I saw the Facebook my wife, you know, is in your Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, since I'm not in Facebook, and she pointed out to me the picture that you had taken of what, where we were. You know, <laughs> the intent was to make you know some like all of us to make some kind of goofy face or not not like a stupid face, but you know, like like to be gesturing like kind of like a weird round the table recording yes. version of the Last Supper, <laughs> Da Vinci's Last Supper, but. <laughs> I'm the only in your photo that you picked to put on Facebook. I'm the only I'm like looking at Johnny and everyone else is like looking at the camera. <laughs> I know. Smiling. So what I don't. Well, so that was me. I, I wasn't smiling per se. That was me making kind of a smiling weird face. But what yeah. was happening is that there were a bunch of pictures that were taken and everybody uh-huh. was supposed to be making a face and we all were making faces in the other pictures and they were all blurry except that one. 
Ah, oh, and so I'm looking I'm yeah. looking like a complete tool in the background. <laughs> yeah. The only one that turned out clear was the one where three of us were smiling and you're giving Johnny this yeah, what the heck face. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, man. So anyway. I try I explained okay. it to your wife though. <laughs> I hope hopefully it's it you know good. it's all clear now. <laughs> it's all good. So New Year's resolutions. A lot of people make them. Probably many of us have made them. First of all, we have some New Year's resolution ideas here for you. Some suggestions. It's pretty funny. Uh, we have our thoughts on New Year's resolution. Well, you know, let's let's do that. Let's give our thoughts on New Year's resolutions. First of all, do you make them? And second of all, why or why not? Okay. My answer is never. I'm not opposed to them. I think it's a great goal setting excuse to set it. You know, it's a good excuse to set a goal, but I never do. And the reason is I'm not a goal oriented person. Hmm. I'm just not. I wish I was because I'd get a lot more done, but I'm not. And I never have been. And I don't know why. It's like I'm kind of floating on this ocean, mm-hmm. kind of looking around, or not the ocean, more like, more like a big river. And I'm kind of letting the river take me where I want it to take me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. big into metaphors tonight, by the way. But that's just how I live life. I don't, I don't set goals for myself. And I wish I did. So interesting. It's funny because I am not naturally a goal oriented person either. I mm-hmm. typically hate goals. To me, goals are meant to be broken, in my opinion. But it's interesting because I think, you know, the people who set goals are typically very successful. However, I've started to come to learn and realize that most of the people that are super goal oriented are not like they're the complete opposite personality as me. Hmm. It's not to say goals are bad, but I tend to meet my goals without setting them, if that makes sense, because I know in my mind where I'm going with something and I go for it without actually setting goals and I tend to succeed just as much. I just don't write down goals. However, then people will say, well, that's a dumb idea, Brian. You need to write them down because if you don't write them down, they're never going to happen to which my argument goes back to, is that based on personality or is that based on, you know, complete universal truth for every human being? Nope. There's no such thing as complete universal truth for every human being. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Certainly, certainly with regards to how we live our lives. Yeah. Well, with that said, I don't typically do New Year's resolutions either, but then I also do realize the importance of goals. And so one of the things that I'm trying to learn how to do is set goals within my personality so that I say, hey, let's measure it. Let's meet it, but not at the expense of who I am, because I think there is something to be said about being a little impromptu. And for our personalities, it's like, you know, sometimes you need to just feel it, if you know what I mean. And without being able to feel it, bad things happen. (laughs) So, well, I, I personally admire when people are able to set goals and, and achieve them. My wife is a really good example of that. She Several years ago, she wanted to... She's an artist. Uh, she's a ceramist. Uh, that's what she does, sort of did for a living for a while. Since she didn't marry rich... <laughs> this is funny. She's, she, since she didn't marry rich, she really needed to have a career that was not stressful that she wouldn't have to that she could go home every you know when she, when she comes home from work she doesn't have to bring work with her mentally it doesn't have to hang on her after work you know like a lot of jobs can so a low stress job that pays fairly well that she could use as a foundation for making her art again mm. and so she set that goal she decided you know she looked she researched a lot of stuff she eventually settled on becoming an x-ray tech and so she went through years of couple of years of prerequisite uh, classes uh, maybe one year of re- prerequisite classes that she hadn't already taken in university. You know, she applied for a prestigious X-ray tech program at a hospital 
in uh, Des Moines. Mm-hmm. She got accepted out of like several, you know, several dozen people. She was one of 10 people accepted. She hit the ground running. She got all A's in all of her uh, classes in that program. You know, so she set her goal. She worked really hard at it and she succeeded. She's now a MRI tech and she's loving it. So nice. she makes more than I do now. So I really, really strongly admire that about her. And I envy that about her because I just don't have them. I don't feel the motivation to even set a goal like that personally. So, well, let's so talk if about, you're able, if, yeah, let's talk about different goals too. Cause I mean, that's a pretty big goal. Like I want to go and I want to get, you know, this degree and do something so that I can do my art. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a big goal. But then, you know, you've got the people who will say, all right, now within that large, not even necessarily, they, they wouldn't even necessarily call that a goal. They would call that a pursuit in mm-hmm. some way. But then they're going to okay. say, okay, now here are your, you know, 25 goals underneath that in order to get there at a specific, to me, that's daunting. But to say like, yeah, I want to go be an x-ray tech or I want to start the real Brian show or I want to, you know, get my music out there again or something like that. To me, that that's a goal in my opinion. And that's mm-hmm. a little different. Like to me, I say, well, that's, that's more of a goal slash dream slash pursuit. Like I'm going to go after that. I'm going to make it happen. I don't mind okay. those kind of goals, I guess, if you want to call them that, but it's the, it's, it's the measurable, what do they call those smart goals? You know, the specific measurable attainable, whatever the heck those are, you know, it's like that just when I read that, it's like I'm reading another language. It causes significant stress and anxiety in me. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go do it and I will figure it out along the way. And I usually achieve it the same as anyone else. It's just, I go about it differently. Yeah. So do you That's have fair. any desire for the large pursuit goal like that? Or not at all. Good question. No, I don't. I just want to, I just, I guess maybe I, it's possible I live too much in the, in the moment. I just want to continue being a, you know, a good husband and a good person and continue to survive, to continue to good at my job, <laughs> continue are, to survive. All, I don't want to die. Yeah, those are all goals. <laughs> continue to good at my job and stuff like that. Well, I mean, those, no, I don't, I wouldn't consider those goals, honestly. They're ongoing them, though. Uh, guidelines. Okay. <laughs> so now we're talking semantics. No, I don't think so. I really don't think that what I, I think that what you're considering my goals that I just laid out are a little too broad to be considered goals. Okay. So maybe there you go. Maybe that's the problem is that, but even then saying Scale that thing? I want to be good at my show, you want to be good at your job. We want to be mm-hmm. good husbands. Mm-hmm. Those, I mean, in, in some ways those are goals, but Maybe you're right. Yeah, Maybe they are too broad that they're more just like life pursuits. So you're right. It is a matter of semantics because yeah. some people would consider those goals, even though they're really broad goals. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe in that regard, I have goals that I always just kind of follow without thinking about it, but I've never been one to specifically set, you know, set specific, whether I write them down or I, you know, think of them in my head or I tell somebody about them. Just never been one to do that, you know, narrow it down more. Sure. Well, I like your approach because doing it as an ongoing pursuit, as an ongoing goal or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I think is a lot more effective than saying, all right, it's January 1st. Let's set some New Year's resolutions. Well, why? Because 80% of New Year's resolutions will fail by February. Isn't that so, interesting? Yeah. And I mean, that's that's ridiculous. It's one thing if they said, you know, 20 something percent, I'd be kind of like, okay, but 80%, it's like, okay, don't even do it. Just don't even, <laughs> don't even put the pressure on your head. It's interesting. Yeah, but the twenty, but the twenty percent that do <laughs> succeed, that that for them, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, but I guess it depends on are they consistently setting goals anyway? <laughs> are they the Who people? Knows? Depends yeah. on the person. 
again, personality too. I was hearing this in another show that I really appreciated too, saying that just set stuff throughout the year, or as you said, have ongoing goals that you're continually trying to better yourself at. And don't worry about it being January 1st. You know, if it's May 21st, let's say May 19th, cause that's my birthday. That's, that's a good day. <laughs> let's say, you know, it's May 19th and you're like, you know, I just, I want to, I want to set a goal today. Okay. That's a great goal. You know, go for yeah. it. It doesn't matter when, but I think a lot of people wait and it's, it's really, there's a bit of an attitude that goes along with it. You know, that's, it's the end of the year. I'm just going to let go. You know, I'm going to shut down for the year. We're wrapping things up. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to gain 20 pounds and then I'll turn myself around January 1st. I think there is something to be said about that, unfortunately. But again, it's like what is the biggest goal? I think most people set January 1st is I'm going to lose weight and go to the gym. That is the number one thing. And that's the number one goal that I should be setting. Yeah. Uh, Not but like you said, not just January 1st, but in general, that that is that's my biggest regret. Yeah, that's my biggest regret in my entire life, and and possibly you know when I finally pass on, that that's going to be my biggest regret is that I didn't that I was unable to be more enthusiastic and and consistent in staying in shape. Yeah, that's that's my biggest regret is that I don't have that specific goal. Well, then get rid of that regret. It's easier said than done. Oh, I know it is, but you know, that's, that's the first decision to make is say, I don't want that regret. So I'm going to find a way around it. Exactly. There's a whole nother conversation in that right there. Sure. Now with that, I have heard that the best exercise is the exercise that you continue to do because you enjoy it. True. Of course. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to run. Well, running's not good on most people's knees. In fact, I don't know if it's good on anyone's knees. So, you know, look at the stuff that's healthy. Look at this. And, and here's the other thing, too, I love is that people who are not in shape are like, I'm going to go and run five miles <laughs> and then you're never going to no. run again. Trust me. It's just yeah. you can't do that. You got to work your way into it. And it's that almost one percent improvement type of thing. And people hate that level of let, let's call it that pace. It's too slow. Because, you know, we live in a fast world. I've got instant whatever I want at my fingertips. So for me to have to say, well, I've got to walk for 10 minutes at a slow pace today and tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing. And then maybe in a week I walk for 15 minutes at the same pace and then maybe I'm walking a little faster, you know, the next week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like molasses. And then people give up (laughs) because they don't see results. Well, you actually are seeing results because you're able to walk further and faster over time. But it takes a while. And a lot of people get into exercise and they think, well, I'm just going to bowl my way in. I'm going to look like that guy in 10 days. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go lift and I, I love, it. you know, going to have this crazy workout with all these weights. You're going to feel like somebody shredded your body with a sword. Uh, there's a sword metaphor again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come but- on, it's going to hurt. And then your muscles are going to be actually damaged and you're going to have to let them repair for three weeks or longer. And then people just stop. So it's like. I think it's you got to have a realistic thing when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. You got to do something that you're going to enjoy continuing to do and results. Well, one, they're going to vary and two, they're going to take time and you're not going to see yeah. the results for quite some time. And that's okay. Yeah. If you see results fast, you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yep. Instant gratification is one of is certainly one of my biggest skeletons in the closet. And I oh, know it is for a lot of other Me people. Too. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where even again, looking at this show, well, why am I not an overnight success? You know, well, of course, I know I'm not going to be and of course, I know nobody is. Well, Why do I still wish I was? Because I'm an idiot. You know, I mean, come on, let's be honest. You're, you're human. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
I consider myself to be artificial. A meat popsicle. A meat popsicle. Yes, there we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> well, share some of these these great resolution ideas. I mean, these are great for you to think about and work on. Okay. Well, okay. I'll, I'll read a few that, that I found online that are my favorites. Um, okay. These are real so, resolutions, by the way, like something we suggest. Yeah. Okay. So avoid employing my strikingly decent, decent impression of Mickey Mouse's voice when having sex. Ha, oh, yeah. Ha, ha, oh, gosh. Ha, oh, oh, wow. Ha. That's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one. Never again will I take sleeping pills and laxatives on the same night. <laughs> Become as fat. This is a really good one. Become as fat as I was the very first time that I thought I was fat. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so many of us can relate to that. One. Yeah. Next one. Oops, I forgot to work out yesterday and today. Looks like my New Year's resolution will have to wait till next year. <laughs> my New Year's resolution is to be more assertive, if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Next one. Make a handful of people believe that I'm normal before blindsiding them with my actual personality. Mm. This year, I'm going to incorporate, quote unquote, I don't roll that way into at least one conversation a week. (laughs) (laughs) That was like going back to what we were trying to call the new words, you know? Yeah, that was was kind of a random one. Uh, Next one is eat more bacon and drink more whiskey. I like the bacon. Yes. (laughs) Yep. And I used to like the whiskey. and the last one I'm going to read is uh, not go to the gym on days ending in Y. Oh, I love that. Ba-dum-ts. Yeah. Woo. All right. Happy New Year's. Happy that's, New Year. That's the way to go. <laughs> last thing that I will say about that. Don't stress out about them. You know, don't worry about making New Year's resolutions unless you make something you know, like that. I, I, I Some of those were kind of good, actually. <laughs> but I think the other ones are just, you know, just have some fun and, and just make goals throughout the year and enjoy and don't beat yourself up if you miss it. You know, I mean, how many of us have failed? I think the one thing I love being an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs know failure intimately. Yeah. And a lot of people that are not entrepreneurs really don't. And, you know, if they fail once, it's like they give up on life. And it's like, dude, that's so normal. I'm not trying to be unfair to non-entrepreneurs, of course. I know people sure. know failure. I'm just saying that I think we understand it because it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Do you have any memories or special traditions regarding uh, New Year's? Not a lot. I think, you know, what? I'm a big fan of enjoying New Year's Eve. I like getting together with people and I like being able to just, you know, celebrate and hang out. I'm one of those people who can easily stay up till midnight, no problem, and enjoy it. I don't have a lot of main memories per se. I mean, there was a lot of fun around New Year's Eve. We've done a lot with family and friends you know you get together and everybody's just hanging out and eating good food you know and watch the ball drop blah 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 there were times you know where i would play music piano or dj or something you know for various new year's eve parties many many years ago and i wouldn't necessarily say those were the best i mean those were fun they always they always were a really really good time but you know it was work for me Mm-hmm. But it was a good time. You know, there were always, I, I think the, okay, I take that back. There was one that was really fun. It was a, it was a New Year's Eve party, but it was also like a, I think it was, I think it was New Year's Eve, but it was like a dance through the decades kind of thing as well. And so everybody had to dress up according to the decade. So, you know, of course I went seventies, did the big Afro, you know, all the, the leisure pants and you know, it, was, <laughs> it, it was pretty sweet. So there were some good times, you know, with those, but you know, the, the one I think that I have the most memory of is just because it was such a crazy time for everyone I'm thinking you probably do too. Was Y2K? Y2K. 1999 yep. into 2000. Yeah. Yep. 
that's my strongest New Year's Eve memory is the 99 into 2000 because of all the apprehension that everybody had. And most of the people I knew were, were you know, computer engineers, electrical engineers type of people. And, and they, they knew that it was probably going to be fine. Uh, yeah. But no one really knew, knew until it ticked over. And then it's like, oh, we weren't, nothing happened. It was, yeah. it was all yeah. a bunch of hype. It was nothing to be worried about. So See, there's another example of why I don't read the news or watch the news. You know, everybody's like, what? don't you watch the news? No. And that's, that was probably when I stopped watching the news was oh, because really? we were, everybody's freaking out. Like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I can't tell you. So you're right. The, the software engineers, computer engineers, people like that, that I knew that were in that field were like, don't worry. It's probably going to be just fine. We're not worried yeah. about it. Everyone else on the other hand, including the media was like, it's doomsday. I mean, it was like the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you need to go. I mean, you remember like when you'd go to the store and the water was gone, stocked up. I mean, they made like bomb shelters. They had yeah. cans of food lined up. I know people who are still eating those cans of food. So it's just like, it's crazy to think what happened and the fear that was put into us because of the media and because of a bunch of people who didn't know any better. We're yeah. out spreading lies and spreading all this crap. And then you're right. The the ball dropped. It was 2000 and oh everything's fine and, and then everybody's going crap look at all this stuff i have why did i buy an island pretty much i it, knew a guy who bad. bought an island i knew a guy who went in with a bunch of other guys oh and they gosh. bought an island because wow. of y2k <laughs> i never found out what happened with that yeah well and then yeah. in 2012 you know that was supposed to be the end of the world because of the mayan calendar oh right yeah. so it's just like uh, i think i think less on. people th- less people took that seriously than the y2k well, there were some though yeah, the Y2K thing. Of course, thing was there were some. And some of you may, may be too young to remember that, but uh, I think most of us remember that Y2K thing. But it was, there was a lot of fear. But hey, it's over. We're good. Everybody's fine. And we're still going. And here we are, you know, into 2019. Wow. But that being said, since I'd say, I'd say since my 30s, after I went out of my 20s, I basically stopped even celebrating New Year's Eve. Really? Yeah, I might have had like a party with my roommates or something like that on occasion, but um, when I had roommates, but especially once I started living alone again, uh, and even since I've been married, my wife and I just, I mean, she took, you know, she works in MRI now and she took the shift of one of her coworkers on, on New Year's Eve. We don't do anything for New Year's Eve and her coworker wanted to go out and have fun. So here, I'll take your shift. So that's, uh, that's nice. Yeah. So we stayed up, you know, I gave her a kiss at, at midnight or whatever, but that's all we did. And then we went to bed. Hmm. So that's our typical New Year's Eve. That's so funny. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. You know, it, it, it is funny because we, I, again, I love staying up. I love celebrating. Although yeah. I'll be honest, there was a moment where Sarah and I were like, you know, it is six degrees outside and I don't want to go out. I just want to stay inside, not because I wanted to stay in and have a quiet New Year's Eve because I didn't want to get cold. So that was no, but well, sure. You, but you don't have to go outside to, to celebrate New Year's Eve. We were go going to, to a friend's house. Know, go to a party. Yeah. 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 And that was the thing you had. Oh, to you just, didn't even want to go to the party. Okay. I didn't want to go outside because they had to sit and warm the car up. It was freezing and I'm like six <laughs> degrees, but it's okay. You know what? We went to the party and it was a lot of fun. And of course, I'm an extrovert. So I got to have fun with everybody and see everyone and have some good yeah. food. What was Good. funny though, and I didn't really realize this, I actually had a couple of friends when I was younger that went to Times Square for New Year's Eve. I've never had that desire. Never. It's never been something never. I've wanted to do in any way, shape, or form. And this year, I guess they interviewed a couple of people and they were talking about people were arriving, you know, between seven thirty and nine thirty AM to stand at Times Square. 
and you literally would stand there from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. until the ball drops. <laughs> you cannot move. You can't sit. There's nowhere to really sit or bring chairs or anything like that. And if you move... You just look at your phone for 20 hours or whatever. Well, there's stuff going on, but if you move to go to the bathroom, you lose your spot. Uh, so people yes. are saying, uh, how did you eat? How did you go to the bathroom? And people are interviewed. We were wearing diapers. Oh, my God. And I'm like, that's nasty. I'm sorry, but like... And then everybody's hugging and kissing each other at the end. I'm like, no, gross people. No, thank you. So much fun to watch. <laughs> I, my, my reaction is just to say that's so asinine. But then yeah. my intellect tells me, well, but I mean, there's if, if they had fun doing it, who's to say they're wrong? <laughs> well, you know, if you're liquored up, I suppose you don't remember much, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe I mean, if, maybe it, people have fun. If they had a good time wearing diaper all day and it was all worth it to them, good for them. I agree. More power to them. I'm not knocking it. It's just one of those things. Somebody asked me, like, have you ever wanted to go to near to Times Square? And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. especially after I agree. That. I agree. I just don't like big crowds anymore. It's it's OK to knock it, by the way, Brian. Go ahead and knock it. Yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will say this, though. I love people. As you know, I'm an extrovert and I don't mind crowds. But what I don't like are crowds that are that pushed together. And if there's any chaos that's going on. That's where I kind of like, I got to get out of here kind of thing. That's kind of weird. All right. So you got a hot pot for Christmas. I got an instant pot. Instant pot. I'm sorry. There's a total difference. Which is this year's giant rage, or maybe it's last year's. I don't know. I'm always a few years behind. My best friend and his wife have one, and they've had it for a while, a couple years, and they really like it. And it's one of those as seen on TV things that they, they they don't typically deal with that sort of thing, but... That's one of the ones that they latched onto somehow and they and they got it and they use it all the time and it's wonderful. It's basically a, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's it's a combination pressure cooker and you can saute with it, you can slow cook, you can do everything with it basically basically. I've never pressure cooked before. And so I made a roast last week with my instant pot for the first I, the first thing I used it for was to make a roast. Mm. It turned out so amazingly good. Basically what it did was it produced the texture and flavor of a roast that had been slow cooking all day in an hour. Wow. That's what it did. Yeah. Because of the pressure cooking and, and, and if it seals properly, you can do stuff like that. Now, since that day, since I made that roast, I've tried to make a potato corn chowder with it mm-hmm. and it wouldn't seal. It kept it, you know, it, I, I did everything right, but it just never fully sealed and built pressure up. So it, it ended up making the, the soup just fine, but it took twice as long as it should have, mm. which was 10 minutes, by the way. Uh, it should have taken 10 minutes. It ended up taking like 20 minutes to make the soup, mm. which is still phenomenal, but it just didn't quite work out right. And so I'm trying to figure out the bugs. I guess people who are new to that device often have issues with it sealing consistently. So you just have to kind of get used to its little peculiarities and whatnot. But but I'm really excited to keep using it. So very cool. Yeah. What yeah. else? What else you get but, for Christmas? Well, I bought myself for Christmas uh, during the Christmas Steam sale. I bought Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, it was on sale for like thirty bucks. I had only played one other Assassin's Creed game before. It's by Ubisoft Studios, by the way. Mm-hmm. I played the Black Flag yep. one, which is like a couple games before. I really liked it. The gameplay gets a little monotonous after a while, but it's a lot of fun. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is just so addictive. I am completely nuts for that game. Is it the brand new one? 
It's the newest one, and it takes place during the Peloponnesian War mm-hmm. uh, between Greece and Sparta, which was which occurred sometime in the fifth century BC, four hundred and something BC. Rec- in recent years, I've been fascinated by that period in history. Mm-hmm. This game was right; it, it was just kind of a you know water in a desert for me. I really, really latched onto it immediately and just ran with it. It's so much fun. That's cool. And I'm assuming this is, yeah. of course, single player. It's single player only you yeah. can only play it by yourself so so i've been playing with myself a lot lately <laughs> <laughs> i really i mean you know i have all these these single player games and you know we've been talking about this with twitching red dead redemption 2 you know which I, i'm gonna be mm-hmm. doing again you know and it's like Hope so. between that and and spider-man so I, so I don't have a lot of time for these single player games and i have them and i've not played them and they're sitting here and i feel bad then i'm like i want to play them but Oh, I, understand. I just don't enjoy playing games by myself. I start to get that's fine. Kind of sad because I'm not <laughs> talking to anyone. And then eventually I'm like, this isn't very fun. Yeah. And then I just kind of stop playing them. But this is where the twitching comes in because if you know, you and I are on, you know, on discord and we're chatting and having a good time and you're watching the game and everything we're having, a, you know, we're having fun or anyone right. else or people are in chat. Like to me, that's a lot of fun because at least there's something going on and I can talk with people. Even if I'm playing a solo game, I don't mind that. But right. sitting here or, by myself, or the is, alien thing, that was so much fun. I wish, yeah, wish we were doing that. Which actually does bring me to a quick question: mm-hmm. Does anyone really care if I twitch? I know you do because then you can watch me play a game that you don't have. But does anyone care? Because you know, I I don't have to do it. I would, but I enjoy it. Does anyone want me to? I would be I very very curious. Yeah, it's that's a question you are posing to the community. I, I couldn't possibly answer that, but I love watching you play that game. So, okay. Well, yeah. if, if you enjoy watching Twitch at all, or would enjoy watching us play red dead redemption two and new Spider-Man game and that kind of thing too, please let me know. I would be more than happy to start scheduling nights where I will start doing that. And of course you can go back and watch recordings if you don't catch it live and stuff like that. But you know, if you're just like, I don't really care, Brian, I don't want to watch you play that. Then let me know that too, because I'm not going to waste my time if you don't want to hear it. Yeah. If you don't want to see it. He won't, he won't waste his time if it's just for me. No, no. Cause then that's just us hanging <laughs> out and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, that's just friend time. So, but you know, if I'm going to get doing this on a regular basis and putting on a, you know, a little Twitch show, then that's a different story. So understood. Yeah. And what uh, I wanted to say one more thing about single player games. Uh, the reason well, Ubisoft, first of all, if anyone's, if you've ever played any of the Assassin's Creed games, and I'm talking to the, not you, Brian, but the listeners, you understand that Ubisoft does a really good job with the story that they do in those games. Mm-hmm. And with Odyssey, especially, that it's so immersive. I, I just, when I play that, I become that character in my, you know, it's, it's like, if, it's like reading a really good book, basically, nice. except nice. you're playing it instead of reading it. That's the draw of, single player games like that uh, is just the immersion factor. Mm-hmm. So, and I love the immersion factor and I, there are a few multiplayer co-op games where you have that immersion factor and I absolutely Guild Wars love that. Too. Yeah. Guild Wars two, the halo games. I mean, there are a few out there that have done an incredible job. Then there's a right. lot of games, even single player games where the story, yeah, there's some story there, but then, you know, they sacrifice story for grind so you're not right. You're not immersing in anything. You're just going around and trying to upgrade your your armor and weapons, you know, over and over and over and over. Which to me that was Destiny. Destiny right. Two had yep. some good story, but then it just 
ended and there was nothing left yeah. for it. So I, I love those kind of immersive games. And yes, if there is a single player game like that, that can't, like to me, that was alien. That was immersive. That was the first single yes. player game that I've had in a long time that I've played, you know, where, but you and I were still going through it together, but that was super immersive, right. which is a s- extremely unorthodox thing to do, but we did it and it worked. Yeah. So. Hey, you know, we're trailblazers. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that. Let's just do it. It again. was fun. Let's pick a game and do it again. It'll be fun. Okay. But in the meantime, we'll do Red Dead 2. Let's talk these three movies then. And you know what? I don't know. Do you want to get spoilery or not? With Mortal Engines, which is the only one of the three that I've seen, I saw it with you. I don't necessarily need to get too spoilery on it. So no, I'll keep Bumblebee and Aquaman non-spoilery as well so that you can continue to watch, you know, continue to listen through it and see if you want to see the movies or not, if you haven't already. So, okay, let's do a no spoiler or at least a minimum spoiler review of Mortal Engines, Bumblebee and Aquaman. But we'll start with Mortal Engines since we've both seen that. Cool. So I want your take on it first. Overall take. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, I, I had not read the book, so I didn't know anything going in. It was just more of a, this looks really cool. To me, it was uh, it was a decent movie. It was pretty average. The story was a little weak. I felt like they could have developed it a lot more. And mm-hmm. the character development was also a little weak. But, oh, and the, oh, man. So the soundtrack in the beginning of the movie was grating. It was driving me crazy. Because they they played the same kind of grading theme over and over and over during the first main scene in the movie. And then it actually got really good. I think there were some really cool parts that I liked later. In fact, there's a part with Shrike. I'm not going to give anything away. There's a very touching part with Shrike and the music in that was beautiful. I loved that whole scene. I know it was different in the book, but because you told me that, but I loved it. I thought it was great. It actually brought some to me. Actually, they developed Shrike more than anyone else, which is ironic. Yeah, but I it is overall loved the movie. It It's funny because it's already sort of forgettable, interestingly, so it didn't draw yeah. me in as much. I would be interested to go watch it again at some point, but it's not one of those like, wow, that was so good. It was one of those. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't waste yeah. my money. What'd you think? Well, I would agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I have a lot more specific uh, issues with it, but I think that if if you haven't read the book, which 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 is most everybody, it's based on a, a five book uh, series by author Philip Reeve, and the first book was written in two thousand one. It was called Mortal Engines. If you're interested, I thought it was a really good read. I read it the week. The week before we saw it, I read the book. I just like to do that for some reason. I wanted to read the book first, and then maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot by doing that because usually I'm going to be disappointed. And so my review is automatically influenced by the fact that I read the novel first. The book is a steampunk, but the series is steampunk. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's how do you describe steampunk? It's like Victorian age meets uh, high technology type of thing. Yeah, Um, that's perfect. So that's what I was expecting in this movie, but I'm really, unfortunately for me, I don't think the movie was steampunkish enough. I didn't all. hardly see any steampunk at all. Yeah, especially yeah. with regards to the costumery, uh, yeah. the, you know, costume department. The general atmosphere of the of the movie wasn't was not nearly gritty enough, mm-hmm. in my opinion. To be positive about, it, I thought it had the you know the best world building potential I've seen in years. Mm. I have a really active imagination, but the thought of huge cities rolling around on tracks, eating smaller cities for their resources. So cool. They talk about municipal Darwinism a lot in the book, and that's exactly what it is. It's municipal Darwinism. And it's the book takes place 
many thousand years from now, like at least 5,000 years from now. In the movie, they kind of pare that down to maybe a thousand years. Hmm. Uh, but it is in the distant future. And, you know, and with regards to that municipal Darwinism, the first, fit, first 10 minutes of the book, of the movie, excuse me, were really fantastic in that mm-hmm. regard. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing London on tracks, going, chasing down these smaller towns. It's just kind of cool. And who, who would have thought of that type of thing? Yeah. Um, it was a really unique concept. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. That I really liked. But I think that the director, the writers, and the producer, and of course, the writers, the producer were were Peter Jackson, Philippa Boyan, and um, Fran Walsh. Fran Walsh is Peter's wife or partner. Hmm. And those three wrote the screenplays for all the Lord of the Rings books, or Lord of the Rings movies in the early 2000s, which were, in my opinion, a huge success. Totally. Um, I loved those movies, and I still do. Uh, The Hobbit, not so much at all. Mm -hmm. What I'm kind of coming around to is that this movie, you can tell if you are into Peter Jackson movies, that this was a Peter Jackson movie, even though he didn't direct it, he had his hand in it deeply into yeah. that cookie jar. And, and you can just tell, especially because of the train wreck that was the Hobbit compared to the Lord of the Rings. So I, I feel like if he was the same director and producer that he was back in 2000 or in the late nineties, then I feel like they might've done a better job with this movie, but that's kind of general. I thought that, you know, like I said, it wasn't gritty enough. There was too much color in the costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, the general masses of London, they were all, they all looked pretty affluent, more or less, which just wasn't the feel in the book. I mean, in the, in the book, London was a city that was in its decline because that, because there just wasn't as much what they call prey out there to feast upon, you know, to, for the cities to run down and absorb, basically. I don't think that they had the budget to build a, another bigoture model for mm-hmm. another giant tract city other than London. Peter Jackson likes to, uh, you know, work with Weta Studios out of New Zealand. And what they did so well in, in, in uh, Lord of the Rings was they make these huge models called bigotures. And they were just really large, very detailed models that they would take weeks and weeks and weeks and months to make and just watching the artists work on them is just so fascinating even with mortal engines there's some good documentary footage on on uh, youtube that you can watch that shows how they made this you know the city of london and everything and it's just it's just really fascinating but in the book and this isn't going to ruin anything really uh, there's there's a scene where another giant city a german city called panzerstadt bayreuth mm-hmm. was bearing down on london and it was ready to gobble it up and everybody in london was all nervous about it and what what's going to happen and it was a really exciting scene and it would have been really epic in the movie but they kind of deviated from that in the plot so they just had london is the only giant city you see in the movie so i will give away yeah, that yeah <laughs> and it felt kind of empty honestly yeah the book was written enough like a screenplay already. I felt that they deviated more than they needed to from it to make the movie. Mm-hmm. But in summary, uh, I thought the movie was a lot of fun, even even good. with these negatives. I, I had a good time watching it. It kept to a lot of key plot points from the book. For the most part, it, it was the book. But I'd still give it a 6 out of 10 because of the sloppy handling of the plot and the out-of-sync yeah. costumery and atmospherics. It just wasn't steampunk enough, guys. Yeah. It yeah. was not... You got to make the movie steampunk, which what other movies are really, if it's a book about, you know, that that's, that's sold as a steampunk novel. Sure. So, you know, the thing that I think I was a little surprised about is that this going back to what you said about the amazing world building potential, a lot of movies have the potential. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've not seen the DC movies do very well is world building. 
I think uh, that yeah. Wonder Woman did a really good job, you know, with her her sweet little island, you know, that's all hidden from that. That was cool. I don't know. T- to me, like most of the DC movies <laughs> are just this gritty, nasty, whatever. But but I feel like they could have done that in Mortal Engines. And I think they did a decent job, but I don't think that they went all the way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Then you watch Aquaman. And Aquaman, in my opinion, created a world that was so amazing, so beautiful, so gorgeous, so fantastic that I'm like, where's this been in all the movies? Now, granted, a lot of it was CGI, but oh my gosh, I was just looking at all of the things in Aquaman and going, how did they come up with all this stuff? How did they create all of this stuff? There was so much in it, so much detail. It goes back to like you were talking about with just the, the gloriousness of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Same thing. Where did they come up with all of this stuff? There was so much detail. Now, granted, I think Lord of the Rings was still better than Aquaman as far as that level of detail and, you know, just the intense, intense amount of stuff that they put into that movie. Aquaman was a lot more CGI and stuff, but still, I mean, so much, in my opinion, really beautiful, really, really well done. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I liked it better than Wonder Woman. I like Wonder Woman a lot. Wonder Woman is up there. That's one of my, that's probably, I would say Aquaman and Wonder Woman are my two favorite DC movies, hands down. The The thing that I didn't like about Wonder Woman was the stupid, over-the-top, typical Zack Snyder, you know, gigantic battle between two people who just destroy everything. Okay. I mean, that was Man of Steel. That was, you know, Batman v Superman. That was Wonder Woman. It's Wonder Woman up against, you know, Ares, and it's just like, oh my gosh, here we go again. They, yes, they sort of did that in this movie, but it wasn't two, just two people only. There was a lot of different types of stuff that they did. And in fact, you know how there's always the one big bad in the movie and it just always comes down to this ridiculous. You're like, oh, the climax. Here we go. To me, (laughs) they didn't do that in this movie. It was like, wait a minute. How many big bads are there? Interesting. So I don't want to give too much away. They did a really good job with this movie. I think the humor was very much Marvel like without trying to copy Marvel. Of course, Jeff Johns had a huge role in it, so that makes a lot of it. And even even the ending, I thought, was very much a Marvel-type story style. And of course, Jason Momoa is just, you know, awesome. He's so good. He's he's the man. He really is. You know, and, and I think it's still ironic because, you know, he was Ronan on Stargate Atlantis and Atlantis, mm-hmm. and he's from Atlantis and Aquaman, you know, of course. I thought that was great. But That's awesome. the, the there's a couple things I'll say that I wasn't a huge fan of. Surprisingly, Am, Amber Heard, who plays Mara, I didn't think she did a very good job. And I don't know if that was acting skill or if that was writing or direction. I mean, I have no idea, but there were some times in there where I'm like, that, that wasn't very good acting. Like, I didn't feel that part. And it wasn't just the lines. It was the delivery. So I don't know. I'm oh, not okay. necessarily criticizing her per se. It's more of a, eh. I liked her character, but I didn't, I didn't like the execution. There were parts where it was great. And a lot of parts where it was like, meh, Jason was awesome. And you know, his dad in it is the guy that plays Django Fett in, you know, the attack of the clones Tamora Morrison or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's awesome. And of course, Nicole Kidman was in it and she's awesome. And cool. William Defoe was in it. He's great. You know, so overall it was a really, really well done movie. The soundtrack was good. Oh, I guess there's only one other. I wouldn't even necessarily call this a complaint or a gripe. It's just more of like it kind of detracted from the story. Marvel movies will introduce songs, you know, like hit songs from the past that are awesome. 
okay. you're kind of like, yeah, this is a good song. You know, with like Guardians of the Galaxy, you've got your 80s, you know, great galaxy mix kind of thing. It's good 70s stuff. and 80s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you just have fun. But Marvel, I think, does a really good job with bringing in the right music. This movie, Aquaman, brought in three songs that one of them I actually enjoyed during the end credits. Not my favorite song, but it, it was nice. But the other two songs that they played in the middle of the movie were like, eh, this doesn't fit. You know, this is Jason Momoa. Like, <laughs> where's the rock? Where is the intense electric guitar? This, you know, it's playing like this kind of poppy music. And I'm like, Jason Momoa doesn't listen to pop. <laughs> just isn't going to happen. And neither would Aquaman. So I thought that was kind of a just out of place beyond that. Though, I would probably, I'd probably think so too when I see it. So, yeah. So be, be, you know, besides those two small gripes, I thought they really did a good job with it and it's totally worth seeing. Um, I've heard, you know, it was the best superhero movie ever. I don't know if I would agree with that, but I would say it's up there. It's definitely good. one of the better ones that I've seen in the last 10 years. And yes, even How including it- Iron Man with Wonder Woman, I'd say it's hands down the best DC movies ever made hands down. Oh, good. So, I mean, far above the other DC movies. So definitely okay. worth seeing. I don't want you to get your hopes and, you know, expectations up, but just go have a good time. Now, cool. I saw Bumblebee as well. And, and I really enjoyed it. A lot of people are saying, is this the best Transformers movie ever? Is this the one we should have always had? So interestingly enough, I said, I'm going to go back and rewatch the original Transformers movie from 2007 because it's been yeah. a while since I've seen it. And I know a lot of be- a lot of people just hate Michael Bay now. <laughs> to be fair, he's had some fantastic movies in his time. Sure. Yes, some of the newer ones, I, I think he's kind of lost his creativity maybe with some of the stuff so you know he did the rock in 19 oh. what was that 96 oh my gosh that movie, movie was amazing i mean you you yeah. cannot deny that that was one of the best michael bay movies ever he's done some fantastic movies he's worked with some great actors great composers good stuff you know and everybody just gives him crap i don't agree with it because yeah he's had some bad movies but so does everybody so all that to be said yeah. is this one better than the original transformers I don't know if I would say yes to that. I loved okay. Bumblebee. I thought it was fantastic. I thought there was some. It's a prequel. It takes place in 1985 and it does sort of tie into, you know, the next Transformers movie a little bit, which I, you know, which is the original one, which I really appreciated. So they did change a little bit of the story, which I was a little, I don't, I don't know if I'd say disappointed, but more of like, hmm. I don't know why you guys did that because right in the original <laughs> Transformers movie, they said, well, you know, here's how we came to earth and in Bumblebee, it's different Then I'm like, really? well, you know, and how Optimus Prime shows up and he's basically, he looks different until he scans the semi and then transforms into that semi. And now he looks that way on Cybertron and Bumblebee. He looks like he does on earth. And I was like, really? Yeah, they kind of changed That's that up a little weird. bit. Yeah, so they, they changed a few obvious things that I, I don't like it when they do that because now it's inconsistent. Why don't they see the plot holes that are just staring them in the face like gigantic elephants in the room sometimes like that? You know what? I mean, people are going to even people who aren't Transformers fans are going to go, wait a minute. <laughs> sometimes, well, you know, will they though, that's my theory is that they probably think ah, most people won't even notice this and it's just yeah. lazy. Because the reality, you know, okay, this goes back to what I said about that new Firefly comic that, has, right. you know, uh, issue two just came out in December. Issue three will be this month. So it's an interesting story. I might, I think I shared this on the show, but I'll share it again. 
The guy was asked to write it. He had only seen the movie Serenity. He'd never watched the show. And he's like, I'm not qualified to do this comic. And they said, no, no, trust me. Just you are qualified. But what I want you to do, go watch the the show. Watch the 13 episodes or 14 or whatever it is. And if you like it, we'll talk. If you don't, conversation over. Right. He watched the show three times in a row, the entire series. Wow. He loved it so much. And when I see him writing these books, I mean, these are comic books. This is a guy who's, he's not Joss Whedon. He didn't create it. It is some of the most true to Firefly that I have ever seen in any kind of, you know, non Firefly show and non Serenity movie. It's the truest I've ever seen. I feel like I'm watching something that Joss Whedon created or I'm reading something and he has paid attention to all of the details. So it's possible to do if these people were, you know, invested enough and they were passionate enough and they went back and they watched those transformer movies and they watched the transformer cartoons. They would have created consistency with Bumblebee because they would realize there are fans that are going to notice this and we need to be smart about this. So whatever reason they didn't, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get a whole new generation of of viewers and the new generation doesn't care about, you know, Shia LaBeouf and no, 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 Right. But again, little in, I mean, you notice well, that, but, like, that but you said this was a prequel. So he would have not had his name yet in the prequel. Whereas in the transformers movie, when this has already happened, he would have had it established. Yeah. Right? But it was even like when they were on Cybertron is what I'm saying. So oh, okay. when they were on Cybertron, he didn't have the name Bumblebee, but in the original transformers movie, he did. And in this movie, he did not. And okay. you know, there were just a lot of little, and like I said, I, again, I'm trying not to give away spoilers, but <laughs> why did they come to earth in the first place was completely different in Bumblebee as it was in the original transformers movie. Yeah. And that, that movie was only what? 11 years ago. Yeah. So, well, and I mean, they're trying to tie long. it in too. They're trying to tie it in. And so you can't tie it in. If the reason they came was different, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And right. you know, the, again, little things like that. So it, it was, it was things that just, they bothered me because of the inconsistencies Beyond the unnecessary inconsistency. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Beyond that, though, this is the most. What I, I don't remember what the term is. I know Miss Ice knows this term, but you know when you give an inanimate object a humanistic ability, or you know, oh, uh, persona. Um, yeah, I know what the, I know what the term is too, but yeah, I, can't I can't remember. That <laughs> anyway, that this is the best they've ever done with Bumblebee, hands down. I mean, you felt like he was a human. It was the coolest thing. So that was phenomenally well done. It was funny. Even Haley Stanfield did a really good job. Some of the other people that were involved, it was a lot of fun. I actually liked her friend and I don't even remember his name, but he was fun to watch. He just was a, a cool, fun character. And then, of course, her little brother was a great, you know, typical 80s character. In fact, there's one there's one scene in there where they're driving along in their station wagon and the parents are like, maybe we should invest in getting some seatbelts for this car. <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, yes. <laughs> So, you know, good job with the eighties. I think they could have done a better job, AKA stranger things. I think stranger things has mastered the eighties genre. Yeah. They're perfect. Yeah. So I think this could have done a little bit better of a job, but it still did a great job. And overall, the movie was great. It didn't feel like 
Michael Bay was involved, by the way. It's so funny how people are saying, oh, you know, screw you, Michael Bay. Good thing you weren't in this movie. Um, Yeah, actually, he was. But so was Spielberg, huh. which was very cool. So it had an E.T. feel, interestingly. Huh. So, yeah, it was really well done. I loved it. And definitely, I would say that I still love the original Transformers movie because it was just so well done. It's definitely a classic rock-like Michael Bay film. This yeah, I like felt the much more too. like a Spielberg film. And so this was equally as good. I wouldn't say it's better than the original. I wouldn't say the original is better than this. I would say they're they're different and they're equally as good. And they both deserve to be the two top of the Transformers movies for sure. Okay. So cool. it was fun. Good so deal. Go. I'm going to, I'll eventually see Bumblebee and I'm probably going to see Aquaman before it leaves theaters. So yeah, I would definitely recommend Aquaman in the theater for anyone. If you, if you're trying to figure out, should I go see the new Spider-Man movie? I haven't seen that. Want to see it. Should I see Bumblebee? Yes to all of them, but Aquaman in the theater was was really cool. Well, good. There you go. We better get out of here, man. But, but <laughs> it's before, been a long conversation. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it, uh, oh, can I just say that when I produce and edit episodes, I get to hear a lot of fun things. And there was a gentleman that was a great guy, by the way, great interview, but he liked to say, um, a lot. And so I decided that I would cut this out and share it with you. I have two ones. These are not edited or tweaked in any way. This is his real voice completely cut raw from what he said. And I love this. Just just listen. Just listen. Um, Yeah. Here's the other one. uh, (laughs) He did that throughout the episode (laughs) over and over and over and it was the funniest thing ever and i was like i've got to save this and use it on our show because it is amazing (laughs) no names i'm not don't worry nobody knows who this guy is uh but it was awesome i laughed a lot and and it was a really really intelligent fantastic discussion but sometimes people have little crutch phrases like that and ums and uhs and the beauty thing is we have to cut those things out all the time but you know what it's time for oh i know Deep Thoughts with Captain Influence. I watched the original Ghostbusters again the other day. And when it was done, I thought, that may be the last time I ever see Ghostbusters in my entire life. I wonder what other great movies I've seen for the last time ever. And that's a great question to ponder. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're good. Speaking of being good. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you what. It is time for us to wrap up the show, but I've got to tell you that from here on out, Miss Ice is no longer writing the blog posts. She stepped down at the end of the year. I know. I'm really sad about it, too, because everybody enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. So right now I have to go and figure out how to do this. And I don't know what I'm doing. I, I hate WordPress. I hate websites. You know, sometimes you can do a simplified version, but what she did was far greater than anything that I've ever done on WordPress. And so I, I hope this works. You're going to at least have an audio episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's important. Yeah. And one of the things we'll talk about probably in the next episode is the need. And I mean need here. This isn't just a want or a desire. This is a need to build a team around the real Brian show. We've got a lot of ideas. We want to take this forward. And with Miss Ice stepping down, it is impossible for me to continue doing this show and do everything myself. So I'm not saying we're shutting down the show, but I am saying that we need to build a team in order to keep the show going and moving forward. So let me know if one, if you have any desire or interest to be a part of this team, and I will tell you specifically what our needs are. And also this goes along with Patreon too. This is something that, you know, I haven't talked about in a long time, because I don't like asking, you know, for help when it comes to this show. But you know what? We're, we're at a new year. And in order to take this show forward, we got to build a team. 
And that also means we need to continue to build resources. We do have a Patreon where you can help to support this show. You know, none of us make any money with this show right now. This is a labor of love. We got to pay for it out of our pocket. We got to give our time out of our day to do this. We love doing it, but help is definitely something that is, well, helpful. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> Patreon.com slash real Brian show that will be in the show notes. Assuming I could figure out this blog post thing. Patreon.com slash real Brian show. Please consider supporting the real, the real Brian show and you know, if you can, if you can jump in on the team as a time contributor and offer your time and talents, that would be amazing. And if time is not something that you have right now, please consider helping out on Patreon. That would be tremendously valuable right now for us as we move forward. And and again, we have, we have a lot of ideas and it's so funny. In fact, we had a great meeting, you know, a few months ago where people came up with all these ideas and these ideas are sitting on a list on my Evernote right now and I cannot implement them. I don't have any more time, so I need help with this. It's going to be fun, though. But with that said, thank you so much for listening. It is so much fun. Like I said, we were so excited to come back and do this episode. Taking a week off is necessary, but it also I missed it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And you know what the music means? I do. Get out of here. Let's go play some games. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Once again, realbryanshow.com. Again, if I can figure out this blog post, we'll have links and stuff there. But please help on a Patreon. And uh, hey, let us know too if there's something you're like, you guys need to talk about this. Love to hear it. Have a great rest of your day and your week. The Real Brian Show is signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.